Ty France dominated the first half of the 2022 season and earned his first career all-star appearance as a result. But after suffering two significant arm injuries, the Mariners' first baseman struggled mightily at the plate. So what do we make of his year as a whole? Well, Colby and I will answer that question coming up here on the Locked On Mariners podcast. Colby, hit it. You are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Monday, October 31st, 2022. Happy Halloween, everyone. This is Titan Gonzalez and Colby Patnode for the Locked On Mariners podcast. Thank you so much for making us your first listen. Subscribe, like, and turn on alerts if you're watching on YouTube or subscribe and leave a five-star review on your preferred podcast platform if you like what you hear. And if you want to hear from us even more, please consider signing up for our Patreon. The link as well as our social accounts is in the description below. And stick around till the end of the show to find out how to win an autographed Cal Raleigh card. Colby, throw that up on the screen. Show them what they could uh, potentially win and uh, while you're doing that i'll uh, let the folks know what we got going on on the show today we'll be reviewing the 2022 season of ty france we'll talk about his red hot first half his injury plague second half and how we feel about him heading into 2023 but before we get into all that colby we have a move to talk about it is never too early for jerry and now justin season to begin the mariners on what was it thursday or friday uh we were recording an episode it was uh actually wednesday Wednesday. it was Mm -hmm. wednesday it was all the way back on wednesday when we were recording our patreon show uh that the uh, mariners claim right-handed pitcher luke weaver off of waivers from the kansas city royals and uh, this is a pitcher colby that you have had your eye on for a while now when it comes to the mariners I think uh, folks that listen to Locked On Mariners or our Patreon show back last year during the offseason will know that you very much like Luke Weaver. Uh, I think he was even in our offseason plan uh, last year, maybe uh, at least for a time was in our offseason plan. Uh, He, of course, started the season in Arizona and finished the year in Kansas City after being traded to the Royals. He ended up throwing 35 and two-thirds innings, a uh, sporting a 9.59 Ks per nine, a 3.28 walks per nine, a 6.56 ERA, but a 2.69 FIP and a 3.82 XFIP uh, was worth half a win uh, by Fangraph standards. Of course, former starter. Now it seems like he's for fully converted uh, to the bullpen. He's been plagued by injuries for uh, uh, the entire duration of his career, pretty much. Uh, but what do you like about Weaver? Um, what, do, what do you think about him now that he is officially in the Mariners organization? Yeah, Weaver's a, an interesting arm. You know, he's probably most famous for two things. He was involved in the Paul Goldschmidt trade uh, and also for losing the standoff at the Anthem in Kansas city to Robbie Ray. Um, that's probably the two things he's most known for, but, and there's a third thing, Colby, there's a third thing. His nickname is dream. Uh, yes. Dream. Dream yes, Weaver. Dream Weaver. Yes. Very, very original, not related to the other weavers, one who stunk for the Mariners and one who hated the Mariners. He's not related to either of them uh, as Ty previously thought. Yeah, I, I, did, I did. I did. I did. I, th- I thought he was uh, a part of that family. However, I, I was wrong. Yes. Yeah. So uh, Weaver's a guy with pretty good stuff. Uh, it's it's fastball, you know, 94 to 96, but he did get closer to triple digits out of the Kansas City bullpen. Uh, it's pretty high spin rate fastball as well. It ranks in the 82nd percentile. 
this year, last year was in the 91st percentile. Uh, the fastball velo is relatively new. He's always kind of been 92, 93. Uh, but this last year, uh, it, it jumped up to 95. Um, kind of a, a kitchen sink type of arm here. Uh, but it's mostly fastball changeup. Um, and there's some, there's, there's some, some value out of those two pitches. Uh, it's kind of a, uh, it's kind of a clay, like a lump of clay and the Mariners are trying to shape, uh, some quality pitches out of that. Uh, Weaver, you know, he does have a background as a starter. That's, that's how he primarily, you know, came through the minors and how he spent most of his uh, big league career. Fortunately, he wasn't really ever able to stay healthy, uh, but he did throw up some pretty good years uh, out of the rotation. And I don't know if if we should say that Weaver will most definitely be in the bullpen, uh, but I also should say there's a better than, I would say probably better than 50% chance that he doesn't survive the winter on the Mariners 40, man. This is a lottery ticket. It's a guy that you go out and you grab. But again, it's it's 95 it's you know 95 96 mile an hour fastball pretty good change up slider curveball uh throws a cutter which we know the mariners like to tinker with maybe they see something in that pitch i don't know uh but to me this guy is mostly fastball change up that that's kind of what he's going to live on um and i i think this is just kind of a, a guy you look at and and the mariner this seems like a guy the mariners can do something with um it's it seems cliche that you know you look at most of his numbers and you're like yeah he's just kind of another guy but I don't know. I, I look at Luke Weaver. I look at the peripherals. I look at his stuff, and I say, I think the Mariners can turn this into turn this guy into something. Um, in the past, I was hoping maybe you'd give him a shot as your number five starter. Uh, this year, I guess if if the Mariners really believe in him and and they think they they have a solution for him, uh, he can he can fight for that number five spot. But you'd probably want somebody with a higher floor uh, than Luke Weaver there. So I, I think it's going to probably be a bullpen spot, but I do think the Mariners see something in Weaver. Maybe they like his curveball more and he needs, and they think he needs to throw it more. Uh, maybe they think he'll, uh, maybe they think they can sharpen up that cutter and make it a real weapon against lefties. Um, but it's fastball changeup slider or cutter is kind of sometimes the two pitches melt together. That's kind of what he goes for. But uh, statistically speaking, his best pitch over the last few years has been his curveball. He just doesn't really throw it. So, We'll see what the Mariners want to do with that, but um, he is ARB eligible. He's out of options, so it's it's kind of a, a tough uphill uh, climb to to make the major league roster. But there's talent in the arm, and, and we've already seen the fastball velocity go up. He's pretty good uh, in Kansas City out of the bullpen, um, and there's some underlying numbers here to suggest that he's better than his traditional numbers would uh, would suggest. At face value, it seems like a guy that ends up just getting DFA'd at some point during the yeah. off season. But you have to pay attention to it because this is just what this Mariners organization does during mm-hmm. the uh, or has done during the Jerry Depoto regime. Uh, and that's right. just get relievers, get arms just in general out of nowhere and turn them into something useful. They did it again this year with like with guys like Matt Festa. Maybe mm-hmm. this year Luke Weaver is their Matt Festa. It's very much possible. Drew Steckenrider or. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Barucki, who they seem to fix, you know, or yeah. at least start to fix. Uh, Austin Weaver, Adams, Connor Sadzik, yep. the list goes on and on and on. Paul Seawald. Paul yeah, Seawald. Like, yeah. pick a name out of the Mariners' bullpen. There's a chance that that was a, a reclamation project for some for the Mariners. Um, and, you know, Eric Swanson, starter that they converted to the bullpen, took a couple of whacks at, and then they finally found a formula that works. So, um, 
Yeah, I, I would just say like I would rather take a chance on Luke Weaver than the likes of like Brennan Bernardino and Drew Ellis and and uh, Ryan Barucki and just kind of those those bottom those bottom ten guys on the Mariners forty man. I would rather have uh, Luke Weaver than basically all of them. Like there's just enough upside there that that that's a guy that you give a shot to and and like you said he's pr- he's probably not going to make. Uh, I'd be mildly surprised if he made spring training with the 40 man spot. Maybe he gets DFA'd and nobody claims him and they sign him to a minor league deal, but I'd be mildly surprised if that happened. Uh, I would be pretty significantly surprised if he made the, uh, the opening day roster, but it's a fun, it's mm-hmm. a fun, it's a recognizable name and it's a, it's a fun name to, uh, to kind of dream on um, as the Mariners first official move of the, uh, the off season. And it gives us an opportunity early on here in the off season to say, Chills, DePoto did it again. Now with that, we're going to look at the 2022 season of Ty France in just a moment. But real quick, a reminder, this episode of Locked On Mariners is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting on football and the start of the new basketball season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. It is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online is where the game starts. You're listening to the Locked On Mariners podcast. Thank you so much for making us your first listen. So let's get into uh, Ty France's 2022 season, and it was really a tale of two seasons for France, who I mean, Colby, he was a top 10 hitter in all of baseball for the first couple of months of the season from opening day to June 23rd, which is when he suffered his first of two major arm injuries when he had that collision at first base in Oakland. Up to that point, he was slashing 316, 390, 476 with a 156 WRC+. He was striking out just 13.8% of the time, walking 6.4% of the time. He had 10 home runs, 45 ribs, and uh, 311 plate appearances. So we'll get into the negatives of his year and kind of how everything snowballed for him uh, in the second half in in just a moment. But let's talk about the first half for France and how he was able to get uh, his first all-star bid in his career. Uh, What was it that allowed him to find such success and sustain that success for the first couple months of the year? Yeah, it was it was really interesting. Um, you know, France last year, with the exception of basically a month where he, you know, was playing through an injury, uh, and it looked like he had found a way even to to build on top of that. Um, it was a different tie, France. He was pulling the ball with a little more authority than he had in the past. Uh, it really looked like he was going to cruise to, you know, twenty five homers, um, probably 30, 40 doubles, and he was well on his way to hit over three hundred. Um, and obviously then the injuries happened, but before, uh, before that, you know, it was, it was basically what we expected from Ty France. He, he didn't swing and miss a ton. He didn't chase, uh, as much in the first half as he would in the second half. And he was a little more disciplined, but he was able to punish pitches more often. Um, you know, pitches that he used to, you know, inside out swing and hit a flare to, to right field. He was turning on those balls and he was hitting home runs and doubles down the left field line. Uh, so it sure seemed like he was ready to take another step, but, um, you know, unfortunately 
like in life, uh, baseball stuff happens and, and, uh, he would take a turn, but in the first half he was legitimately very, very good. Um, like, I mean, 308, 376, 470. That's, that's an all-star. Like that's a very, uh, very, uh, deserving all-star nod. And it's a slash line that makes you one of the best hitters in all of baseball. It's, it's a top, like five, top five percentile, uh, slash line in, in all of baseball. Uh, so he was, he was something else in the first half, man. And, and it felt like he was, he was going to cruise, uh, to 300 and, and 25 home runs and, you know, 350 on base and, and, you know, he might even he might even sneak up and slug 500 on you, which has kind of been the the question with Ty France's bat has always kind of been like, how much power can you get out of it? And it looked like he was on his way to to answer those questions. Yeah, uh, he was on pace, I believe, at one point for 28 home runs, uh, mm-hmm. and then it just you know it it tailed off, of course. So, you know, let's get into the um, the second half numbers here for France, who uh, returned from the injury. After going on the IL on June 24th, he came back July 7th. And from that point forward until the end of the regular season, slash 236, 288, 399 with a 97 WRC plus 16.9% uh, strikeout rate, which isn't significantly different from his first half numbers, 5% walk rate. It was really just the the quality of contact was not there anymore for France. Uh, he was generating a lot more outs, and you know you talk about some of the chase numbers and all that. He just ended up finding himself in a lot of disadvantageous counts, and uh, and it seemed like he was pressing for a while there as well. And you know, it really what I really want to emphasize here is the second injury that he sustained. The wrist injury. This is the second year in a row that he sustained a wrist injury, and last year we saw that it, it impacted him um, heavily. And this year, once again, it impacted him heavily. Uh, the offensive numbers just completely uh, went down the hill. Um, so, what went wrong here for for France? Was it all just injury? Was there a, a mental side of things? Did you see him pressing? You know, what wh- what were your eyes telling you over the course of the second half of the season watching Ty France hit? Yeah, uh, the one thing that really stood out is that he it seemed like he was chasing a lot more, uh, not striking out more, not significantly more, just chasing. We saw him, you know, go at bats where he would swing at three pitches outside of the zone. That's it's rare for Ty France. France isn't like an elite like, right? I mean, he's not. Barry Bonds in his prime, drawn walks like that's that's not really part of his game. He's going to derive much of his on base skills from his average. Um, he gets a lot of hits. That's kind of what Ty France does. Uh, but he was chasing, and and you know it's it's not hard to anybody can show you the math that says, hey, it's a lot easier to hit to get a hit in a one zero count than it is from an zero one count. And we saw France just kind of do that, and it looked like he was he was pressing, trying to break out of a slump, and and. Um, it just kind of snowballed on him and, and we saw weeks at a time where it looked like he was back and then he'd go right back to chasing. Um, you know, he became very susceptible to that slider off the plate. Um, and it, it wasn't even to the point like in the past he chased those, but he'd find a way to, to punch them into right field, uh, through, you know, past the second baseman. He had the plate coverage to do that. Well, he, he didn't have the same plate coverage that he had, uh, pre-injury, and as a result, the pitchers just kept on going further and further out there and France kept on chasing. So, um, you know, basically Ty France became a mistake hitter uh, he wasn't doing anything on pitchers pitches, which, 
is fine. Like most hitters aren't good enough to do that. But Ty France is. Ty France is a guy who can, you know, spoil that 96 mile per hour two seamer just off the outside corner and he can push it into right field for a base hit. He's done that his entire career. And in the second half, he just could not do that. Um, he was very susceptible to the breaking ball. Uh, they kept telling us it wasn't an injury. You know, both Ty France said, it, I'm not injured. The Mariners said, I'm not injured. I hope they were lying because if they weren't, that's a troubling trend, you know, and it's not one that was really corrected at the end of the year. We continue to see the same. We Basically what we kept seeing was Ty France getting himself out. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem. Ty France is a guy who has to hit. He Ty France can't be a super valuable player if he's going to be a, a 110 WRC plus guy. He's not a good base runner. He's not a good defender. He has to hit. And even his defense took a step back this year. So he has to he has to find a way to hit. And if Ty France can't, he's not a very valuable player. He's a, you know, a DH. He's a kind of a guy who gets 350, he's, he's 400 plate He's appearances. a DH who doesn't hit 30 plus home runs. Right, which you just you can't have unless, again, unless you're the Astros and you have Michael Brantley and, and even Brantley sitting 300 with you know, 380 on base and, and they have power everywhere else. Yeah. You just can't really afford that if you're the but right, now, right now. But, but yeah, but also right now it's like, well, what in France's second half suggests that he can hit 300, you know? Yeah. So, and that's uh, kind of where I want to go with this now, you know, real quick though, I want to, I want to list his, um, his numbers in the playoffs as well. Slash 231, 259, 269 with a 54 WRC plus in the five, playoff games that was 27 plate appearances for him uh 22.2 strikeout rate uh 3.7 walk rate um but yeah so you know going to next year i mean is it just as simple as don't get injured and we'll see the tie france that we saw in the first half this season because i mean listen to these overall numbers for him even with how bad the majority of his season was because that's really what it was, you know, what it comes down to post-injury. It's the majority of his season. He still slashed 276, 340, 437 with a 127 WRC+. plus. It's still a, an incredibly valuable hitter at the end of the day. But then, you know, you dive into the numbers and it's like, well, <laughs> you know. But can we get first half Ty France again? Is that player still there, do you think, heading into next year? I think he is, but I, I tell you this, I wouldn't want to bank on it. Um, not next year, uh, not, you know, with world series aspirations. I don't think it's fair to fan to fans for the marriage to just be like, Oh, well just trust us. Ty France will be good when they just watched him be frankly bad for half the year. Um, you're already sacrificing some power with Ty France. Uh, you're sacrificing, a little bit of defense, not much. I, France was bad, pretty bad at first base this year compared to what he was last year, but he's still fine. Like he's not a, a black hole over there at first base. He's he's not Deho Lee or anything. <laughs> but uh, you know, he's 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 fine. Like he, he's a f- okay over there. But you're sacrificing power, and if you're going to sacrifice power, he has to make it up to you with average and on base. He's never been like an elite on base guy, uh, or I should say, an elite walk guy. Um, he's always posted really good on base percentages, but those are largely, you know, batting average driven. So if he's only going to hit 240, 250, his on base is probably only going to be 310. That's with, with, you know, 430 power. That's not good. Like that, that is a below average first baseman. 
So I think he can get it there. Uh, but I think one thing you have to understand is that Ty France is now, you know, two years in a row. He's hurt his wrist by getting hit by pitches. He was amongst, I think he led the league in baseball, or I think he led the league again in, in hit by pitches this year. It's two years in a row mm-hmm. that he's either been first or second in that category. And, and it, he's not making an adjustment off that. So I think you have to live, you have to be prepared to live in a world where Ty France gets hurt again and, and needs to be out. And the Mariners have to have a backup plan that allows France to sit uh, because he's not one of your three best hitters. Now he's your fifth best hitter and you can survive, you know, a month uh, without him. Uh, I just, I don't know if Ty France is a, a foundational guy. Like maybe we thought he was, I just, there are enough questions for me after that second half to, to wonder like, mm-hmm. you know, how important is Ty France to the Mariners going forward? Certainly he's has some importance, but how important, let me rephrase that. How important do you want Ty France to be right. to the Seattle Mariners? I think it's a fair question to ask after what we just watched in the second half. And for me, you know, talking about how France kind of impacts the offseason big picture, I don't think that considering the the risks that might be involved here, that France should enter 2023 as a top three hitter in your lineup. I think you got to push him down the order. Uh, and then if he is first half tie France again, then great. Or if he's something kind of in between, then great, you know. But if they're, you know, because again, he he just naturally he crowds the plate. He's going to get hit mm-hmm. by a lot of pitches. If he gets hurt again, you know, history suggests that he's going to be this guy, right? Because he was this guy last year when he got hurt. So if that's the case, I mean, I don't want I don't want to have to rely on him late on into the season where he's hitting two in my lineup, like they were doing in the playoffs this year. Because he didn't help them in the playoffs. You know, I listed the numbers. He did not help them at all. There were some really key at-bats, especially in Game 3 of the ALDS, where they needed Ty France to come through, and he just wasn't even competitive. You know, I think about the three-pitch strikeout. Uh, I think it was an extras. Uh, you know, that game is... Thankfully, I'm, I'm kind of pushing that game out of my memory banks. But, <laughs> you know, that, that... Like, those are the moments that you need your number two hitter to come through. And if France just can't do that, if he's proving now that he's just incapable of being able to do that post-injury, then I don't know. I, I don't think that you can rely on him to be one of your top three guys anymore. And again, like, if he is that guy, you know, and then you, like, great. But and it's great to have that guy hitting in the middle of your order instead of at the top of your order, instead of guaranteeing that guy so many at-bats. And then you can adjust accordingly as well, right? I just think right now, heading into the off season. You need to get significantly better, and, and I think we, we're both in agreement here that the Mariners are going to do that, that they are going to significantly upgrade their lineup to a point where France will end up getting pushed down the lineup. But this has to be a priority for them, that they need to put in some safeguards here where if France gets hurt, gets hurt again or this is just who he is, that they're not so reliant upon him to generate that kind of offense that they need from that top of the order spot. Yeah, I just – I think when I look at Ty France, I think of a guy like Yuri Gurriel, right? Yuli Gurriel. Where is he hitting in that good Astros lineup? Sixth, seventh. Yeah. That's where Ty France needs to be hitting. Sometimes second, if you like the matchup, it's against a lefty. Like, oh, okay, we'll sneak him in there. Fine, whatever. And it's not necessarily that Ty France has to hit, you know, sixth for you. Like, can you build a lineup where hitting Ty France second is is fine? 
sure, but it's about like how many hitters do you have on your roster who are better than Ty France? I think the answer has to be at least three, probably four, if you really want to, you know, if you really want to have a top-notch lineup, but probably at least three, and, and Julio can be one of them. Fine, you need two more. Who are the two? Right now, nobody, and that's a problem. So the Mariners need those bats. Ideally, in a perfect world, you would find somebody who could play first base um, and, you know, play the outfield. Uh, you can find somebody who could do both. Uh, but there's there's not a lot of guys out there like that. Um, you know, Trey Mancini, he can stand out in left field. Also, he's but been he's awful. Kind of, He's been awful. He's been pretty bad the last two years. Like he's he's a he's an average bat. He's not better than Ty France. Josh Bell. Yeah, but again, he can stand in left field. That's and that's also going to be expensive. <laughs> yeah. So like, there's just not a lot of guys out there. I I think Cody Bellinger, but Bellinger's yeah. been really bad, and and he's also going to be expensive monetarily. Unless he gets um, so you just uh, kind of look around. Yeah. Right, and then we'll see what happens there. And and that's the other thing, too, is that there's some guys who are going to be free agents who aren't yet. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be guys who are available via trade that we don't know about yet. So maybe that option is out there, but I think, you know, ideally you lo- you'd like a guy who can play at least a fringe average left field, but also play a pretty good first base and, and hit relatively well. And that way you can have a guy who can rotate around in the outfield, play some first base, can DH, and on those times when France needs, you know, three days off, you can give it to them without feeling like your lineup is doomed to fail. So uh, yeah, it's, it's France is a guy who I think the Mariners would be foolish to ignore France's name and trade talks, you know, to be like, Hey, would you move Ty France? And the Mariners say, no, that's dumb. I think that's dumb. Um, I'm not saying they're going to trade Ty France. In fact, I would bet pretty heavily that he's the opening day first baseman if he's healthy but you can't just say no to that, right? You have to be willing to to open up your mind to a part where they're like, yeah, we could upgrade from Ty France. We could do better than Ty France at first base. And you have to be okay with that. That's what winning teams do. They move on from good players to get great players. So we'll see. Again, I, I think France is going to be the first baseman on opening day next year. I think we're going to see a better version of him than we saw in the second half. But I don't know. I don't know for yeah. sure, and I think that's a problem. Yeah, no, I am confident that you are going to see a, a much better France when we get to opening day in late March. Um, but it's can he sustain that over the course of the full season? Because he hasn't been able to. And can he sustain a clean bill of health over the full season? Because he hasn't been able to. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know that's not necessarily his fault. I mean, you know, he does crowd the plate, et cetera, and so the hit by pitches the, those are naturally going to come. But also like the bang bang play at first base where he gets his arm pulled all the way back. Like yeah, there's nothing. It's kind of fluky. Yeah. It's, it's fluky. Yeah. So it's not, I'm not saying that Ty France is injury prone or anything like that. I'm not saying that I'm not trying to label him in that way, but it's something that is becoming a little bit of a trend and you can see a path here where it could mm-hmm. happen again. And there's just a, there's natural concern that comes from that. All right. So before we hop off of here, uh, let's remind the folks about the uh, the giveaway that we're doing. Uh, you guys still have about I don't know six weeks, five weeks or so to uh, to get involved in this. Um, we are uh, 
doing this until the end of the winter meeting. So the the uh, last day or the the day after the winning winter meetings is December eighth, twenty twenty two. That's when this ends. Uh, all you have to do to enter this giveaway is to subscribe to our YouTube page. Uh, we've already gotten our first goal checked off. This is a multi tiered uh, giveaway. Uh, so our first goal of four thousand YouTube subscribers has already been checked off as of what. Well, what uh, last week or the week before we're going to be giving away an autographed Taylor Dollard card. Uh, so next up on our list is 4,500 YouTube subscribers. We're getting a little closer to that mark. Uh, and uh, when we get there, we will be giving away a Taylor Trammell autograph card. Uh, then uh, next up on that with 4,500 YouTube subscribers and 3,000 Twitter followers, you can follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. Uh, we will be giving away a Jared Kelnick autograph card. Then at 5,000 YouTube subscribers, and this is the card that we were uh, teasing at the beginning of the show, we will be giving away a Cal Raleigh autograph card. Now, there's a couple of other bigger goals that we're hoping to reach and some bigger prizes that we would uh, be giving away along with those. Uh, if we become the most subscribed to Locked On MLB show, on YouTube. Uh, the uh, current leader right now, I believe, is around 5,400. That's locked on Astros. They might be a little bit higher now because, of course, they're in the middle of a World Series run. Uh, but if we can surpass them by the end of the winter meetings, we'll be, uh, Colby will be giving away a uh, Mike Cameron autograph card. And then if we get to 10,000 YouTube subscribers somehow, some way, <laughs> Colby will be giving away a 9.5 graded Logan Gilbert autographed card. But yeah, let's uh, let's take this one goal at a time. Let's get to 4,500. Let's give away this Taylor Trammell card. And then uh, let's work towards those uh, Kelnick and Raleigh cards. But uh, we will definitely be giving away a Taylor Dollard card to one of you. So if you haven't, uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel already and you made it to the end of this video. First of all, congratulations. And second of all, subscribe right now. And you are entered the giveaway. And uh, we will be picking all the winners uh, for all of the cards that we end up uh, having to give away on December 8th or whenever we do our next show uh, around that time. So, yeah. Um, anything uh, you want to add here before we hop off, Colby? Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, I'm writing again. If you guys want to check out my Substack, stack, uh, sotosports.substack.com. Uh, it's free. I haven't started subscriptions or anything like that yet. So I uh, just posted the first article yesterday. It's uh, 10 free agent bats. Uh, I think the Mariners should prioritize, be interested in. It's a little murky, but it's basically 10 hitters I like for the Mariners. Um, and they're kind of ranked, but they're also ranked with some sense of realism baked into it. Like I'll, I'll just tell you guys right now, Aaron Judge isn't on the list for obvious reasons. So, but, but three of the four shortstops are, hmm. and they're not one, two, and three. Ooh, ooh, that's what we call a tease. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, check it out. Um, like I said, totally free for now. Um, and yeah, just looking to get back into writing, probably going to do something on the Seattle dragons or sea dragons. Hmm. I should say for my next post. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> Jakaris, that's right, baby. Dragon tails. They're back. <laughs> uh, so yeah uh check that out but also please do subscribe it helps us a lot uh and uh yeah it'll it's almost jerry season or justin season we're right around the corner hopefully after you know the the phillies sweep 
the Astros here in Philadelphia. Um, we can officially say that it's Jerry season and with Jerry season, you know, what comes with that guys. Mm. Mailbag Monday and fan fiction Friday, baby. Ty is so excited <laughs> to hear all of your trade offers. Um, we're going to see how many Shohei Otanis we get in day one mm-hmm. and it'll be glorious. And no, the Mariners can't get anything for Justice Sheffield. Let's just throw that out there right now. Yeah. Uh, is Shohei Otani going to be the Brian Reynolds and Jose Ramirez of uh, this offseason? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Who, who, oh, who, yeah. who, which non Otani, non Trout player is going to be that level, do you think? Like in terms of just like trades? Yeah. Uh, well, I would say like just overall, it'd probably be Judge because. Those were never going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. Try to think. Uh, Otani's the obvious one, and then I think. I think we're going to get a lot of Cody Bellinger. Personally, you think so? As long as he doesn't get non-tendered, I think we're going to get a lot of Cody Bellinger. Hmm. Okay. Okay. I've been I've been seeing a lot of Cody Bellinger interest on uh, on Twitter. So just kind of gauging the uh, the temperature of uh, Mariners Twitter, uh, I think that's where we might be. Okay. Heading. Yeah, Yohan Makata okay, too. I can see that. Yohan Makata, I think. I mean, that's a lot of. I think that's more for us, honestly. Though, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if the rest of Mariners Twitter has caught on to the Makata idea. Um, I know, I know, Jage, who I uh, went to Game One of the Wild Card with. He's uh, very interested in Makata, and he's going to be uh, submitting some Fan Fiction Friday uh, uh, trades to okay. us. Uh, he he, cool. he let me know the other day. So <laughs> cool. <laughs> Um, maybe, maybe that's a segment for later this week. We can pick like each pick, like three under the radar trade candidates that Mariner Twitter is not talking enough about or something like that. So, uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah, Bellinger's a good one. I feel like for some reason people are going to ask us a lot about, uh, and again, maybe this is just my selfish, my selfish brain working, but Brandon Lau. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I feel like that's something that people are going to be interested in, but we'll, especially if the shortstop sign relatively early. I know Jerry Sabathia is going to be submitting some Brandon Lau trades to us for <laughs> sure, for sure. We can at least as well as that. as well as perfectly cropped uh, Carlos Correa pictures of him wearing a Mariners uniform. Yes, like, yes, yes. High Perfect. quality Will Stone level. Yeah. Uh, attention to detail on the on the edits. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our show. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Lockdown Mariners podcast. For Colby Fatnode, I'm Tidane Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez, the C-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z, and Colby at CPAT11, that's C-P-A-T-1-1. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode. And thank you again for making us your first listen. Now, for your next listen, check out the Lockdown Sports Today podcast featuring the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts just like us. And with that, have yourself a beautiful baseball day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Peace.